Good morning, church. What a fun, uh, what a fun Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. It's great to uh, see families up here. I am, every time I um, participate in the, refle- in the response part where the congregation uh, responds to voice their um, support of these families and their uh, promise to help raise uh, families in the church as someone who's raised and is raising five kids in the church. I want to say thanks uh, to all of you. There's certain phrases that, that stand out to me um, in there. And one of the phrases that hit me this morning was, um, use words that don't bruise them and be slow to judge and not be harsh. And I can think of a few scenarios where that has been true for my family. And so thank you for, uh, for helping me raise uh, kids here in the church. And uh, man, I, I just, I reflect on it and I think our God is a God that loves life. There's so much life up on the platform this morning uh, in a culture that is so uh, sometimes anti-life, anti-family, anti-kids being close with their parents. All those, those messages that are out there, I just think what an opportunity to celebrate uh, a God who is so good to us, so faithful to us, so for us as families raising kids and, and uh, families that are just for life. What a, what a way to celebrate uh, this morning. Also incredibly impressed with the uh, Hank who lost his ball and didn't lose it in the middle of all of this. I mean, somebody's doing a good job there, parents. It's like somebody taking your wallet and just throwing it, right? And you're like, wait, what? It's like everything in that guy's world just went flying across the platform. I was really, really impressed uh, this morning. Anyway, if you are a guest with us, thanks for being here at Glen Allen Bible Church this morning. I know we've got a lot of grandparents and families here. We're glad that you're here. If you're a guest that comes regularly and you're checking out the church, we're glad you're here as well. We hope that you quickly feel like you belong here at Glen Allen Bible Church and that you are a a part of this community of faith. Today we're going to continue in our sermon series in the book of Isaiah. It's titled, the sermon series is titled, God is Faithful, and we're looking at the the faithfulness, the goodness of God throughout the book of Isaiah. Today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 32. If you want to turn there in your copy of the scriptures now, that'd be great. The verses will be on the screen behind me here in a little bit. We're actually in week five of our series. We've covered a ton of ground to date as we've, we've made it here now to chapter 32. We've covered Isaiah's calling early on in the book. Um, Isaiah's called to this prophetic ministry that God has for him. He's commissioned for that ministry. God gives him specific tasks to do and words to say. Isaiah is a prophet in the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. He is most spe- more specifically, he's in Jerusalem, offering words to the holy city of Jerusalem, prophetic words to the people of God. As we've worked our, our way through uh, the, the book of Isaiah, we've, we've recognized and talked about there's really two main messages, two prominent themes in the book of Isaiah. There's prophecy about judgment, and then there's prophecy and words of hope. So you have judgment and hope are kind of these major themes in the book of Isaiah. We've worked our way 
um, through some of those difficult passages over the last few weeks as we've talked about Isaiah's judgment and we've, we've uh, God's judgment um, as Isaiah brings those words to the people of God. One of the things that we've also learned as we've looked at the book of Isaiah is that we've recognized that Isaiah's prophecies are multi- multifaceted, multi-layered. Often when Isaiah is giving a prophecy, that prophecy has meaning in what we've called the the near future context. There's some immediate application for the people of God who are hearing these words from Isaiah at this very moment. At the same time, oftentimes those words have what's uh, called far future meaning. So that there's another layer to the prophetic words that Isaiah is given. And we've also learned, and we, this was last week, where Isaiah's words will often have really far prophetic meaning. We'll be speaking about the reality of like the end of the age when Christ will come back and return uh, at the end of, of time. And so we've seen and we've learned that in, in Isaiah's prophetic ministry, in his prophetic work, there's this, this near future reality and this far future reality and then this really far future reality that he talks about. This week in chapter 32, we actually have a a great example of near future prophecy, far future prophecy, and really far future prophecy all being shared at the same time, all with inside of Isaiah chapter 32. Because we live in a period that's experienced the reality of some of this prophetic word uh, some of these prophetic words already having happened already becoming true we have this unique perspective where we get to look back while while we still get to look forward and so we're in this unique position of being in the middle of some of these realities and so my hope is that this morning as we read the text and we study it together and we talk about it this morning that we'll be able to make some applications to our lives direct applications to our lives today because of where we find ourselves in the midst of these different prophetic realities before we get too far here let me read isaiah 32 Um, the verses we have for us this morning. Isaiah 32, verses 1 through 9. See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. When the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed and the ears of those who hear will listen, The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. No longer will the fool be called noble, nor will the scoundrel be highly respected. For fools speak folly, and their hearts are bent on evil. They practice ungodliness and spread error concerning the Lord. The hungry they leave empty, and the thirsty they withhold water. Scoundrels use wicked methods. They make up evil schemes to destroy the poor with lies. Even when the plea of the needy is just, but the noble makes noble plans, and by noble deeds they stand. Isaiah then goes on for the next seven verses to speak directly to a specific group of people living in Jerusalem at that time. They're called uh, the complacent women. 
women who are, are waiting um, for the king to come. And Isaiah gives them some very s- specific things to do in order for them to wake up and be ready for the king. He then goes on to say, and we're going to pick it back up in chapter 32, verse 15. He says, wait until the spirit is poured on us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Though hail flattens the forest and the city is leveled completely, how blessed you will be, sowing your seed by every stream and letting your cattle and donkeys range free. All right, so what I'd like to do this morning to help us understand this passage a little bit more and to make some applications to our lives this morning, I'd like us to actually use that framework that I, that I just outlined, this near future, far future, and really far future realities that Isaiah is prophesying about. So first, let's look at this near future prophecy, this near future reality that Isaiah is talking about. Isaiah says a king is coming, a king that will reign with justice and righteousness. What is Isaiah talking about here in the near future? What's right around the corner that Isaiah is referring to? Isaiah here is is referring to King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah is going to come. King Hezekiah was the son of Ahaz. You all remember Ahaz? We talked about him a few weeks ago. Ahaz was uh, the king who was ruling in Judah at that time. And Isaiah gives him very early on in Isaiah's prophetic ministry, gives him the opportunity to either trust in himself and his power and his skills and his might as king or to trust in the Lord. And Ahaz at that moment decides to trust in himself and not to trust in the Lord. Well, this is Ahaz's son, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, for most of his reign and life, was completely different than Ahaz. The Bible tells us that Hezekiah was a good king. He had a heart for God, and he he reigned like his forefather David, a man after God's own heart. The Bible tells us that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he helped turn the people back to God, turn the, the hearts of the people back to God. Hezekiah actually repaired the temple of the Lord and he went throughout the land cleansing it of idols and, and uh, foreign <clears throat> altars to foreign gods. So the people of Israel had turned their hearts to worship other gods. And Hezekiah, when he, he begins to reign in Judah, he, he helps turn the people back to God. He starts by cleansing the temple. Second Chronicles talks about this. 2 Chronicles 31, 20 and 21. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what is good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. One of the things that Hezekiah did was to to reestablish the schedule of feasts, and festivals. 
so that the people would have these moments where they would remember God's goodness and remember God's faithfulness and they would all gather together again and they would worship God for who he was and what he had done in their lives. See, as the people began to worship and follow these foreign gods, they abandoned that schedule. They abandoned those moments where they were to gather together and thank the Lord for what he had done. And so Hezekiah, one of the things that he does is he's as he's helping reclaim Judah and, and bring the people back to God, as he says, we're going to celebrate and we're going to party and we're going to do those things that God had called us to do. And one of those uh, feasts and festivals was the Passover. And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 17 through 20, we read about this time where, I, where Hezekiah said, we're going we're to come and we're going to celebrate the Passover together. Reads like this, Since many in the crowd had not consecrated themselves, the Levites had to kill the Passover lambs for all those who were not ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean and could not consecrate their lambs to the Lord. So if you're going to come to Passover, one of the things that you're going to do is you're going to bring the finest of your flocks and you're going to offer those as sacrifices to God. And the people had, had abandoned God and had been so far away from him that they are ceremonially unclean. They cannot offer these sacrifices themselves because of what they had done and how they had lived. And so the Levites, the priests, have to intercede for them. It goes on to say that although most of the many people who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover. They ate the meal contrary to what was written. So these people had come and they wanted to participate. They wanted to bring themselves back into God's family and, and be uh, faithful to him again. But they had not ceremonially had not cleansed themselves they had not offered what they needed to offer and but they still ate the meal and that was against God's law but Hezekiah prayed for them saying may the Lord who is good pardon everyone who sets their hearts on seeking God the Lord the God of their ancestors even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary and the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people isn't that powerful? Hezekiah intercedes for the people. The good, righteous king intercedes for the people and says, Lord, hear them. They want to turn their hearts back to you. Forgive them. And God answers and heals them. This is the, the good king. This is the, the righteous king that Isaiah was prophesying about that was right around the corner for the people of Judah. All right, the second lens. The second lens of prophecy we're actually going to look at is the really, really far lens. So we've looked at the near future lens. Where we're going to look at the really, really far future lens. The lens that's most far out from the moment that Isaiah is giving this prophecy. In Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 32, he's, he's not just talking about King Hezekiah. That's going to happen in the near future. He's talking about a lasting king, an eternal king king. Church, that's, that's King Jesus. Earthly kings like Hezekiah, are, they're going to fail. Their reign is not going to be perfect, and their reign is not going to last forever. There's this eternal king, this king that is going to reign for all time, and he's going to reign perfectly forever, for all of eternity. 
Isaiah says that there will be uh, justice and peace and confidence that will last forever. And so we know when we read words like that, that Isaiah is talking about something that's not just this earthly kingdom, but he's talking about this heavenly place, this heavenly kingdom, this heavenly king, this eternal king. He's talking about King Jesus. Hezekiah is an earthly king who is pointing to and reminding and foreshadowing the perfect king Jesus that will reign someday. He will reign forever, bringing lasting peace and lasting salvation. It's interesting to me here to to see what Hezekiah does on behalf of the people because it's really a crystal clear foreshadowing of what Christ does for us. We are unclean. We are broken. But when we begin to turn our hearts back to God and we cry out to Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, he intercedes on our behalf. He takes on the punishment for our sin, the sin that separates us from God. Jesus Christ, he takes on that sin. He makes us holy and righteous again for God. So Hezekiah is this this foreshadowing, this picture of what the reign of Jesus is going to be like. The passage in Isaiah we read last week, it talks about Jesus swallowing up death forever. Swallowing up death forever. That's this reign at the end of time, this reign at the end of the age, where Jesus will reign perfectly forever. And there'll be peace and confidence. We'll We won't have to worry about anything because our king has come. He's swallowed up death and he's reigning perfectly. Now I know it's a little bit confusing to to wrap our minds about around how how could a prophet have words that meant something to a people right around the like prophetic words right around the corner and at the same time mean something so much bigger and greater than just that. Well, there's a word that describes this type of situation, a phrase that describes this type of situation. It's called census plenior. This is like 600-level graduate work. You're getting like $2,800 worth of credit. Census plenior means fuller meaning. It means that the the text has a, a... a meaning and a, an application in that very moment that the author was writing, but that it also has this bigger, broader, and fuller meaning. And Isaiah 32 is just rich and thick with census plenior. You can use that phrase at your Mother's Day brunch today. Census plenior. This fuller meaning. So we've seen this, this near future reality that Isaiah is prophesying about and this really far future reality that he's talking about. Well, there's this, this other reality, this far future reality that Isaiah is talking about. Census plenior. We're getting all of it today. Isaiah 32 is rich with this stuff. So there's this third layer of prophecy that we can see in this passage got Hezekiah, we've got Jesus reigning at the end of the age, but we've got this middle place, the place that we find ourselves, right? Like we live after Hezekiah, 
but we live before Jesus comes and reigns for eternity. See, I believe that Isaiah actually has a specific word for us today, those of us that are living in this middle area. I think he's telling us about King Jesus who reigns today, who reigns right now, because we know that not only is there a king Hezekiah that's coming to reign in justice and righteousness and that there will be a king at the end of time Jesus who comes back and reigns perfectly for eternity but our king has come our king came to earth he was born of a virgin he lived a perfect life he died on a cross he was raised from the grave and he reigns in heaven scripture tells us he's seated at the right hand of God he's reigning right now today But his kingdom has not fully come. We are a people in waiting. We're waiting for the end of the age when Christ will swallow up death completely and we will be glorified as his church, as his bride. We are a people in waiting. And I believe that Isaiah has a specific word for us today as we wait. See, after Christ's death and after Christ's resurrection, there was this This moment at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, poured out on the people of God. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit began to indwell those, live inside those, and be a part of the life of those who follow Jesus. And Isaiah talks about that moment. He prophesies about that moment. In verse 15, he says, wait, wait patiently. He's talking about the people in Jerusalem. Wait patiently. And wait for the king to come. But he's also talking about this event where the the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on the church. The Holy Spirit is poured out on us from on high, Isaiah says. At Pentecost, the the early church experienced this, this reality that's prophesied about in verse 15. And today the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit's at work in the, the world around us. The Holy Spirit is, is indwelling us. It's our, our guide in this life. It intercedes for us when we don't even know what to say to God. It, it prompts us when we want to move here or go there. The Holy Spirit is, is what gives us power today. The King has come. The King reigns with the Holy Spirit ministering to us ministering with us, ministering for us today. So how do we apply? How do we, how do we take this reality? How do, how do we apply this text to our lives? How do we apply where we're living and what has happened? How do we apply that to our lives today? Church, I would say that Isaiah is crying out to us. He, and he's identifying for many of us our reality. I think Isaiah is crying out to us saying, do you want shelter from the storms of life? Do you want, do you want shade from the scorching heat of life? Are you, are you so thirsty for more in this life? Are you poor and being overlooked in this life? Are you, are you broken and needing healing in this life? 
Are you hungry, crying out for more in this life? The things that you go through every day weighing you down. Isaiah is saying, and Isaiah is crying out to those of us who long for justice. Long for justice in this world. For people that have just been trampled. I think Isaiah is crying out. Crying out to us, do you want righteousness? Do you want to see righteousness and goodness in your everyday life? Do you want to live that way? So that you don't have this guilt and shame always hanging over you wherever you go. Is that the reality you want to live in? Where you have this peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah is crying out, run to the king. Run to the king. King Jesus reigns and he's there to provide the water that you long for. He's there to give justice. He's there to help you live righteously. He's there to provide shade in the storms of life. He's there to provide protection from the scorching heat. Our king has come. Our king reigns. And you can have all that he has come to give us. Even in this waiting period that we're in, where life is not perfect yet, Christ gives us meaning and purpose. And he's taken that that weight of guilt and sin and shame that tears us down. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. For those of you who don't know him, man, what a perfect Sunday to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be in the kingdom of Christ. You can cry out to him this morning. Save me. Save me. You are the king. For those of us that have have put our hope and trust in in everything else that this life has to offer. In our finances, in our job, in our family, whatever it may be. Man, this is an opportunity today to say, I want to come back to the king. I want to have true, true water that that squelches my thirst. I want to be healed by the king. What an opportunity this morning for us. So Isaiah is is crying out to us through this ancient text. But it's not just Isaiah that cries out to us with this message. Our king, our king, King Jesus, he cried out to us. He said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Are Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you scorched by the heat of this earth? Are you tired and thirsty? Are you longing for justice? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. And take take on me. Take on my teaching. Take on who I am as the king. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke. Take me upon you. Learn from me. And I will give you what? I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. A king who's come to give us rest. Let me pray for us this morning.
Father God, we love you. Thank you for your word this morning in Isaiah. Thank you that you cry out to us through an ancient text to come to your son, Jesus. God, I pray today that those who are far from him will draw closer to him. God, we pray that as we close our service today that we will honor you and glorify you through our song. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. We're gonna sing to close the service. There'll be some folks down front here if you'd like prayer this morning. Um, Please come forward. They'd love to pray uh, with you this morning.